Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Women's running, running, running. Women's running stories. Welcome to Women's Running Stories, where we share first-person accounts from the world of running told by the women who experience them. A recent guest described our format as sort of like an audio blog, and I thought that was really fitting. I am Sheree Louise Turner. I am your host and producer. If you are new here, welcome. And if you have listened before, welcome back. Thank you so much for returning. This podcast is a proud member of the Evergreen Network of Podcasts. Also in our network is Hear Her Sports, and this week we are doing a swap. We are featuring an episode of Hear Her Sports, and it is hosted by my friend and podcast pal, Elizabeth Emery. I'm going to leave the introduction to this specific episode to Elizabeth, but before I do that, a little bit about Hear Her Sports in general. Every other week, Elizabeth posts a new long-form interview with a woman athlete or a woman in the sports world, and she is just a terrific interviewer. One of the things I really love about this show is that Elizabeth brings you into the world of the person she is talking to, even when I don't know anything about the sport or the pursuit of the person that she is talking to. I walk away with an appreciation for why they are so passionate about what they do and also the details of what it takes to pursue their passion. Yeah, Elizabeth's interviews are just always very engaging and informative. And beyond that, I always find takeaways that I can apply to my own athletic life, as well as just life in general. I mean, the things we learn in our sports are things that we can really apply to everyday life. It's one of the things that's kept me being a lifelong athlete. So yeah, please check out Hear Her Sports. Elizabeth has a long back catalog. In there, you will even find a few episodes that we did together. We have been podcast pals for a while now. And new episodes of Hear Her Sports come out every other Thursday. So go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any of them. I'll have links in the show notes as well to all the ways that you can keep up with Hear Her Sports. But before we get on with this Hear Her Sports episode, I also want to mention another great podcast that has just joined the Evergreen Network of Podcasts, and that is The Planted Runner. I'm just getting up to speed with this podcast, and I am really enjoying it. It is hosted by Coach Claire Bartholik, and every episode focuses on one actionable topic that I can apply to my own running, and so can you. One recent episode that I really liked was How to Survive Hot and Humid Runs in the Summer. Even if you have run loads of years in hot, humid summers, it is always good to get some reminders on how to survive these sticky, hot days. Something else about The Planted Runner I enjoy is in every episode, there are these mental strength minutes, and I'm always looking for tips to how to improve my mental game, so I find these particularly useful. So check out The Planted Runner podcast. Of course, I will share all of the ways to keep up with The Planted Runner in the show notes as well. And now, without further ado, I am going to hand the episode over to Hear Her Sports. I will be back next week with a new episode of Women's Running Stories. Thank you so much for being here. And now, on to the episode. You are listening to Hear Her Sports, a podcast for active, adventurous women who love hearing stories from other active, adventurous women. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery. In every episode, I introduce a female athlete or woman in sport through a conversation about who they are and the terrific work they're doing. This week, I speak to Jenny Wynn, founder of The Sports Bra, the first and only sports bar in the world that televises solely women's sports. It opened in April 2022 and is in Portland, Oregon. 
The Sports Bra's mission is to make great food, delicious drinks, and provide a space that supports, empowers, and promotes girls and women in sports and in the community. They even have sports bar food for everyone, vegans, vegetarians, gluten, and dairy-free folks. Jenny and I talked about all of that, developing and supporting community, the terrific working environment she's created, which women's sports are actually available to watch and which are not, everything she's learned, how she values basketball, and so much more. But before we get on to Jenny, with the new year, there are new things happening. And one of those new things is that I'm happy to announce that Keeping Her Forward Podcast Network has joined the larger network, Evergreen Podcasts. If you remember, Hear Her Sports, Women's Running Stories, and Keeping Track join forces to create a female athlete podcast network in order to build community and to expand our audience and opportunities. With Evergreen Podcasts, all that will continue to happen and to build. Plus, we're just super excited that Evergreen Podcast is interested in supporting women's sports media. For listeners, Hear Her Sports will be the same show, same content, and still available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Well, now let's get to the show. Jenny Wynn picked up a basketball right around the same time she put down her milk bottle. From an early age, people called her a tomboy. Instead of playing with dolls and wearing dresses, she climbed trees and rode bikes. But most of all, she loved to play basketball. That love shaped her whole identity and helped her to fit in all the way through high school. When she was 19 years old in her first year playing college ball at Clark College, Jenny ruptured her ACL. She was devastated by the career-ending injury, but stumbled upon a newfound passion, cooking. She cooked all through college, first for her roommate, then for the whole floor, and then for the entire dorm. She landed her first kitchen job at age 22 and fell in love with the craft all over again. After graduating from college, Jenny enrolled at the Western Culinary Institute in downtown Portland. There, she graduated from the expedited program while working full-time at a couple of fine dining restaurants. When she was in the kitchen, Jenny was in her element. The basketball court and the kitchen have been the only two places she has ever felt like she belonged. Later, she realized that both those places are very male-dominated and that she had struggled, endured, and found success in her own way. She went on to work her way up in kitchens for another 15 years, with the last four years as an executive chef at Reed College for Bon Appetit Management Company. Then, as I mentioned earlier, after years of thinking and developing ideas, she opened the sports bra in April 2022. A huge hello to you, Jenny. You know, this is super exciting for me to have you on the show. You have done such great things opening the sports bra, and, you know, I can't wait to hear more. I'm super excited. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Well, the Sports Bar is the first and only sports bar that televises solely women's sports. It opened in April 2022, so pretty recently. You know, I know you've told the origin story of the Sports Bar, you know, a million times, but it's a really good tale. And I want every, you know, I want to make sure that everybody has heard it. And there are some lessons to be learned in that tale. So do you mind going through it again? Sure, not at all. You know, it's actually been a while since I've told it. So oh, good. <laughs> this, this is great. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. So I had been unemployed for about five and a half years prior to opening the sports bra. And while I was unemployed, you know, I was playing a lot of basketball, like open gyms and like league ball. A lot of my friends and stuff play as well. And usually we'll go and check out games uh, after we're done playing basketball. And so we'll go to a bar or something to hang out and try to watch some sports. And it's always been, I mean, I think it's a very universal uh, feeling for people who are women sports fans to go into your traditional or average sports bar, come in and, you know, there's a million TVs and none of them have a women's game on. And so always having to ask and sometimes, you know, it's totally fine and they'll change a channel. And sometimes uh, there's just so many people watching a certain game that it's a big stink to change a channel. And, you know, I've, I've had places that were like, I went in and ordered food and drinks and then they wouldn't change a channel. So you're kind of like stuck there watching, you know, something else. But uh, there was this time where we had a group of about a dozen, maybe, maybe more people go in and we wanted to watch the NCAA women's championship basketball game. And so like this to me, Basketball is my sport. Like, that's what I grew up playing. And this to me is like the biggest game of the year. And, you know, we roll in there. 
again, there's like 30 plus TVs and none of them have the game on. And I think that it was kind of a slow men's sports day. Like I vaguely remember there being baseball or something on. And so we go in there and we're kind of surprised that the big game's not on. And so we ask somebody to, if they would change the channel, they're like, absolutely. Yeah. And so we start to put some tables together so that our big group can sit down and it's kind of in the corner of this bar. And we end up watching what would be probably one of the best NCAA games I've ever seen, men's or women's. And uh, we watch it on this kind of smaller screen in the corner of the restaurant. You know, it was uh, in 2018. And so it was Mississippi State against Notre Dame. It was this incredible comeback from behind. I think it was a 20 plus point deficit. And then it was a last second three pointer from Arike Agumbawale that won the game. And it was just like, we exploded. You know, everybody was out of their seats, high-fiving, jumping up and down. I remember I had like taken my hat off and like thrown it across the bar in excitement. (laughs) And when I did that, I realized that no one else in the bar was watching the same game as us. So here we were like celebrating and having just this incredible moment. And we were kind of by ourselves doing it. And it was totally fine, but also, you know, everybody was looking at us like we were nuts. That was such a good game. So we had, it was like, it was exceptional. Like it was like, it just stood out in my mind, you know, like we've, we've seen other games. We've, we've watched other really great games, but that one stood out in my mind. And then afterwards we were all leaving and we're kind of hugging each other in the parking lot, talking about what an incredible game that was. And uh, one of my friends was just like, you know, it would have been better if the sound had been on. It was that moment that really solidified for me because I hadn't noticed Wow. So basically what had happened was I had gotten so accustomed to watching, you know, women's sports events in a bar or restaurant or whatever in a very compromised fashion, like like as a consolation versus as the the main draw, you know? And so like the shock value of that moment really stuck with me in my mind. And right when she said that, I made a comment and it was totally out of frustration. I didn't mean anything by it. But I said, the only way we're ever going to watch a women's sports game in its full glory is if we had our own place. And it was just like, just like one of those things you say, you know, um, and, you know, we hugged and, and laughed about it. And then uh, I think it was either that day or the next day I was driving around and I was thinking, you know, if we did have our own place, what would we call it? Because I'm, I'm constantly thinking about like funny names or like word puns. Like I kind of just love that kind of stuff. I was like, what would we call it? And the very first name that came to mind was the sports bra. And once once I thought it, I was just like, oh, that's so funny. Because to me, it was just the idea of changing a channel, like having the exact same thing as a regular sports bar. All you do is just change the channel to women's sports. And to me, like sports bar, sports bra, you're just switching letters. It was perfect. That's so interesting about the name. I wondered about the name because, you know, part of me mm-hmm. just love that, that thing that you're doing with just changing the channel is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. But the other part, I was like, why are we talking about the bra still? Mm-hmm. I mean, part of me actually liked that. It was like, okay, I'm going to take back sort of this attention on the sports bra. I mean, there's so many mm-hmm. sort of troubled references to the bra, mm-hmm. the sports bra. Anyway. Yeah, no, I, I, totally, I totally hear you. Well, at the time when I was thinking about it, it was just like something that was not in the realm of reality at all. It was mostly just like a joke and kind of like, oh, that would be funny. But then, you know, right then I thought, okay, the the motto would be we support women. And I just Uh, thought that that was uh, hilarious too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So just like funny. So since that time until, you know, I decided to make it a reality, it was a running joke between basically my girlfriend and I, whenever we, because we would often go out to bars and try to get uh, them to change a channel to watch a game because um, it's just more fun to be in public to do that stuff, you know? Oh, of course. Um, and, and whenever we were frustrated with anything, we'd be like, oh, at the sports bra, this would this game would be on. <laughs> or at the right. sports bra, we'd have, you know, a vegan option. Or at the sports bra, the women's restroom would always be clean. Like just a constant uh, barrage of things that would come up whenever you go to a sports bar and it's like not quite meeting your needs. Right. Sure. Um, yeah. So, so it was a running joke for a really long time. And then when it started to, you know, become something that I was seriously considering, I was thinking just to come back to your question about the name, I was thinking about, you know, the sports bra and if that was something that people would be accepting of. And then I thought in girls and women's sports, our athletes are often hypersexualized. 
And so the idea of like taking back, like you said, taking back, uh, it's basically a piece of equipment that women use to perform a sport. So to like kind of take back the taboo of like talking about an undergarment, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's just a piece of clothing. Like there's nothing sexual about it. And it's just, um, it's, it's been really fascinating because when I first told my parents, my dad, you know, he's kind of a worst case scenario fella. And so he was just like, I don't think men will want to go if it's called the sports bra because they'd be embarrassed or whatever. And I was like, honestly, dad, if a guy is like embarrassed about going to a place called the sports bra, then it's probably not the kind of guy we want coming to the sports bra. You know what I mean? Um, and then I, I did, uh, when I was like talking to friends about the idea and the concept, I did run into a couple people who didn't like the name because they, they felt like it was too um, risque and that kind of thing. Uh, but it ended up being, you know, I just, it was something that was there from the beginning and I just felt it was really a powerful message and to like desensitize people to what it is. And now like, you know, I'll go to the grocery store and be, people be like, oh, you own the bra. You know, it's just like, <laughs> it's not a thing anymore, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I also liked, um, in reference to the name, that, you know, so many girls leave sports in part because they don't have proper bras. Totally. And so it just seemed like just a really strong message in that way, too. Exactly. 100%. In fact, uh, in the next couple months, we're working with a couple different organizations to do a bra fitting here, oh, wow. you know, at the sports bra. Um, because it's true. I think something. It's the statistics are ridiculous. I think it's something like 85% of girls and women do not wear the right bra size. And so, you know, there's there's health benefits to having the proper support and like all of those things. And so being able to kind of talk about that and take the taboo out of it and like empower girls and women to, you know, be proud of their bodies instead of hide it away or all any and all of those things, I think, is a good message to share with our community. Well, one reason I liked the story was because I have similar stories of going to regular restaurants or bars to try to watch women's sports. And, you know, there's even a place in Cleveland I don't go to anymore because I had such a bad run in with them oh, ab- about mm-hmm. that. And, you know, I had never known other people who had experienced the same thing. So it really felt like, wow, there are people out there like me, you know, like going through the same thing. So mm-hmm. that was one reason I really liked that story and wanted you to share it. So thank you. Yes. It's, you know, it's so universal. It's amazing how many people I hear different stories from about that. And, you know, as I was opening the sports bra, it occurred to me that, you know, not only are we offering a place where we change a channel, but so many times I personally, as a person of color and uh, like a lesbian that, you know, it just didn't feel like a safe space really going into these really ultra masculine or toxic masculinity filled bars. I'd often go to the bathroom with a friend. Uh, You know, I wouldn't ever go by myself. Those kinds of things that I think is also kind of universal is creating that space for people like me or, you know, uh, people who don't fit in with kind of that traditional sports fan look that, uh, the United States has been so comfortable with for the last 30 years as sports bars have been around, you know, giving them a place to feel represented um, as well. It's so weird that we have a vision of like a sports bar goer. <laughs> like how totally. did that happen? <laughs> I mean, when, you know, I feel like a lot of it is systemic, you know, when you sure, create yeah. systems that, um, you know, just if you think about men's sports or sports, Like, who's funding these things? Who's, you know, and it's always been a lot of men-focused things. And so that's who they're gearing all of their advertisements to. That's who they're gearing these spaces to. And when you think about, you know, 40% of all athletes in the U.S. are women. I mean, there is a lot of girls and women out there playing sports. And so to give them a place to feel comfortable and represented and hopefully, you know, other sports bars kind of, you know, uh, see this as a shift towards equity. Right. 
Yeah, more than a division. Yeah. Sure. You know, and I mean, it's going to be interesting because we are going to talk about, you know, like what you're actually broadcasting or showing at the bar. But that's also a thing. You know, it's only in very recently that you could actually find women's sports on TV. Totally. 100 percent. And yeah. so many times I get people saying, I can't believe this has never been done before. Um, <laughs> and a lot of it is, would it have been successful even five years ago, 10 years ago? Like, I think, you know, fortunately for me and the sports bra timing could not have been better, I feel like. I mean, minus, you know, um, the pandemic, but I also think it helped me get a foot in, you know, when people are kind of struggling and I was able to get like a lease that was better than if things were thriving. You know what I mean? So, Well, I do want to point out to listeners, you know, like this is a super big deal that you're the first to open a place like the sports bra. And it seems weird for me to be saying that, you know, here we are in 2023 now. And, but Mm -hmm. it is, it's a huge deal that this is happening and that you're the first to be doing it. It's great. Yeah. Thank you. So you opened in April. How's it been going since then? It's been going really well. I mean, the response from the community and from just all over has been overwhelmingly positive. It has been such an incredible ride so far. Uh, We were crazy packed when we first opened. I grossly underestimated how the launch would go. (laughs) Um, You know, I had done a ton of research about opening a bar and restaurant in Portland, and I'd heard a lot of people struggling um, through the pandemic and everything. And so my, my plan was to do what most bars and restaurants do, which is to open with kind of a skeleton crew and build your clientele and, you know, grow the business from there and, you know, hire on as needed. Once kind of, um, there was a lot of press and there was a lot of hype and it started to get closer and closer to our grand opening. And I realized that maybe it was going to be a bigger deal than I thought it was going to be. And so I ended up hiring, like, I think we did grand opening weekend. And then the very next, like our next day off, I hired like eight more people. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Holy yeah, cow. We were, yeah. I was, I, I had basically understaffed us by like half because wow. I just, I, I didn't know what to expect. Sure. Um, and I just didn't have, yeah, I guess I just didn't know. And I tend to like, uh, I don't know what the word is, but I, I just didn't feel like, you know, when I, when I came up with the sports bra idea, I thought it was a place for like me and my friends and like a small niche market of like hardcore women sports fans. That's kind of what I thought. And what ended up happening is the idea and the mission of the bra really resonates with so many more people than just that like than just women or just sports fans. And I wasn't prepared for that at the beginning. And so it made for like a really rocky start, you know? And then on top of that, we're doing things that no one has ever done before. And so navigating things like finding games and making sure that we have, you know, the legal licensing, all of that stuff. And it's my first go at it. So as a first time business owner, there was just a lot of learning to be done. And I'm still obviously uh, learning a lot, but it was uh, like a straight up wall as far as like a bell-shaped curve of learning for me at the beginning. So April was rocky, but very successful. I mean, people poured in. We had a four hour wait the entire weekend. Wow. It was just nuts. And like, I felt bad, you know, I felt bad because people were standing outside waiting and people like, as soon as they got seated, they cheered, you know, like people were just excited to be here. And Uh, Everybody was so just grateful and forgiving, you know, with us in our rocky moments. But business was strong throughout summer. Right now we're kind of, you know, in the winter slump a little bit. But with NCAA basketball ramping up, things are looking great. Yeah, there's just like these breaks in between seasons that we're learning about. And I think the first year and first couple years is always just a bunch of learning and tweaking and figuring out how best to navigate giving what the community needs and wants, and then also, you know, growing our clientele as well. Well, I, you know, I love that you just jumped right in. It was sort of like, oh, I'll open a bar. And then like all this other stuff sort of started happening. And you realized <laughs> what I call the web that happens. It's like one thing leads to another. And then, you know, I mean, you're doing so many interesting things. Like, let's talk about the food. I mean, you're not just offering any old food. You have very intentional ideas about what you're offering. Yeah, it's interesting because 
you know, it's, it's kind of weird. Like, again, the sports press started off with just this idea of changing the channel. And then when I got to writing like the business plan, uh, which, you know, was fantastic because it really helped me to like nail down concepts and ideas that I really hadn't thought about. So when it came to like, okay, what are we going to serve here? And I thought about, okay, our motto is we support women. And it's not, we support women in sports or we support women on TV. It's we support women, period. So I felt like it was an opportunity to do that in different ways. And also like right then I realized that, so I'd been a chef for 15 years prior to this. And as a woman in a kitchen, uh, in professional kitchens, I have firsthand experience with being overlooked or being underrepresented, underinvested in, and then seeing, you know, women in the food and beverage industries going through the same thing where there's women farmers out there that don't get the hype that they should be getting or like, you know, everybody's ordering from the same folks because it's easy thing to do. But if you just use a little more intention, you can find, you know, these small local women that are doing incredible things and kind of just give back to the community and feed that system. And so when I was writing the business plan, I was just like, oh, you know, I wonder if, and you know, obviously it's a business, so you want to make money too. So making it affordable, but finding ways to have that motto live through the whole system. So being intentional about things. And so once I started to think about the menu, I was like, okay, what else, what else, how else can I support women? So, you know, our biggest thing on the menu is all of our beef is coming from Carmen Ranch, which is run by Corey Carmen. She's a third generation rancher out in Eastern Oregon. And uh, not only is, you know, she one of a handful of female ranchers, she's in Oregon and they have 100% grass-fed beef that I used to use as a chef for like VIP events and things like that. So I know that the quality is exceptional. So all of our beef is coming from there. And so our burgers are just, I mean, they're so, our burgers are so simple, but the beef is where it's at, you know? Uh, so that's kind of the big one on there. And then we have a local farm called Vibrant Valley Farm on Sabi Island, which is women owned and operated. And we get a few small things like herbs and like specialty vegetables from them when we can. And then when I thought about like the beer and wine and cocktails aspect, oh my gosh, I was just like, I wonder how many women are in these industries. And it turns out there's a lot. And so that's just been great to discover all of these incredibly talented women in all of these industries and being able to focus on them and invest in them and highlight them at the bra. So um, yeah, that's been really nice. You know, you mentioned something that I think about a lot is this idea that it's a little bit more work to, you know, find women run businesses. Did you find it actually was a little bit more work? I'm, I'm just curious. I mean, because I support women as well whenever I'm doing business and you know, sometimes it is more work, but sometimes it's just not. It's just like you have to look beyond sort of what you said is everybody's using the same people. Right. The conventional. Yeah. You know, at the beginning it was because I feel like a lot of times I was asking questions that, you know, sales reps and things like that had never heard. Uh, for example, um, when I was opening, you know, when you open, uh, you file for a liquor license. And once you file for that, everyone who sells liquor or beer they get, they get that list. So they get pinged and then they show up. So I'm trying to build out the bar and we were getting reps all the time coming in, giving me their cards, trying to sell me on whatever. And basically I gave everybody the same spiel, uh, which was, do you sell anything that is women owned and operated? Are you familiar with any like women owned distilleries? Are you familiar with, are there any, you know, women in the brew house making these beers? And you should have seen their eyes. Like everybody's eyes like glazed over because I don't know if anyone has asked them that question. And so I basically gave all of these people homework on my behalf. <laughs> and in the next week or two, they came back with a laundry list of anywhere from, you know, husband and wife owned places to, you know, the, the husband ran one section and the wife ran one section. Or, you know, if there was one or two women making the beer in the warehouse, but it wasn't owned by like, so there was, you know, people coming in with all of these resources now. And a lot of them felt like 
empowered by it because they were learning about it. And even they were surprised that there were so many women involved in the industry. And so it was just like a pretty cool eye-opening experience for everybody involved, I feel like. And then once the word got out that that's what we were doing, and then it got really easy because women from all over started to reach out and wanting to have their products sold here. And so uh, we have a reputation for for being the place to do that. So it's been really, really cool. <laughs> that That's great. Just because you ask, you know, now more people know. It's awesome. Totally, totally. It's It feels like such a privilege to have this place. Yeah. One of the many community organizations that Jenny and the Sports Bar supports is Girls Build. You can find their book featuring many of the girls who have been in the program and have made super cool things at hearhersports.com slash books. While you are there getting your Girls Who Build book, take a look at the other books recommended or written by guests. It's a super fun list, and every time you order books through the Hear Her Sports page, we get a small piece of the purchase price, and you support local bookstores. So check it out at hearhersports.com books. Hi, I'm Christina Yerling-Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. And now let's get back to Jenny Wynn, founder of The Sports Bra the bar that's dedicated to women's sports. I want to go back to a previous question, sort of like how things have been, you know, like what's changed or what have you learned since opening? It's been, how many months is it? Uh, a little over nine months. So April, yeah, we're going to, we're going to close in on a year pretty quick, actually. Gosh. I mean, I feel like, yeah, the learning has just never stopped for me. Um, I think the biggest lesson I've learned so far is that, again, the, the, the surprise to me was how many more people the sports bra resonates with and how much of an impact a space like this has made. And I wasn't anticipating that at all. So I really feel like, you know, it's a privilege to have this place. And then I realized that it's powerful, you know, and the power of having a place like this really lends to me like responsibility to give back to the community or like to use the platform because, you know, I had no idea that I was going to grow like a social media presence that, you know, we have. And so the ability to impact so many people with a message or messaging or, you know, promoting small businesses or nonprofits or drawing awareness to, you know, social inequities in women's sports, like all of those things is really something that I did not realize was going to be a part of having a space like this. You know what I mean? Like I thought we were just going to show sports and that was that. Are you doing the social media? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You yourself? <laughs> Me, myself. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, yeah, I, <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard that from people because I just, I don't understand. Like, I feel like, uh, one, one reason why people like following our social media is because it's authentic and real because it's me, you know, it's, I'm just like a human being and I have all these flaws and I'm learning and like, we make mistakes all the time and I fess up to them and like people dig that. Right. And I just, I'm afraid that if I hand that off to somebody, it won't come off the same way. And so it's, it's something that I'm sure at some point I'll need to address, but right now I, I really enjoy it. And I love the feedback that I get and the ability to like 
connect with the community still is really important to me because above all else, I want to be authentic. Yeah. And just taking people on the journey with us has been one of the best things about the sports bra is just like hearing all the stories and hearing how, you know, just, you know, I always talk about like the sports bra is this space, like it's a bar, right? But when people come in, they bring their goals, their dreams, their past and their future with them. And that that's what fills the space. And that's what creates like this magical feeling that I get whenever I come in here. You know, it's not the decor on the walls. It's not the food we're serving. It's not the women companies and stuff that we represent. All of those are like pieces, but it's really the people who bring their stuff in and give the whole place soul. And like that has been the highlight by far of having this whole thing. I mean, I think I could get weepy talking about, you know, the importance of having a space like that to be surrounded by other people who care about women's sports and watching it together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been a lot of tears in here, to be honest. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I believe it. some of some of my favorite moments, like very small moments, you know, those tiny ones that sneak into your heart and stay there forever are the ones where the kids come in because we're an all ages bar until 10 p.m. And so, uh, you know, as I was developing the business plan, it asked, you know, what are your business hours? <laughs> Who are your clientele? And I really thought about how when I was seven, eight, nine, 15, 17, what kind of an impact it would have made if my friends and I or my parents took me to a place like this as a kid. Like, I feel like it would have had a dramatic impact on like a sense of belonging. Sure. You know, I was a, I was a very, as a kid, I felt very alone, which I think a lot of kids do feel that way. And I just think, you know, when I was writing the business plan, I thought, oh my gosh, like, can I make this an all ages spot? Like imagine little kids coming in and watching grown adult women playing their sport on TV and having people cheer for them and seeing that like, oh, and so as soon as I thought that I was like, okay, let's try it. And so now whenever I see kids come in here, it's a real, it, it really pulls at my heartstrings and it makes it feel like if I can make a difference in just one kid feeling like they have a place in sports or a place in this world, it's worth it. You know, doing the podcast, I, you know, cause I'm older, I'm in my fifties and I think about all the young athletes I speak to and how much things have changed since I was young athlete but I'm often struck by how far we haven't come. You know, I think a lot of girls still do feel like a freak if they're an athlete because mm-hmm. there are all these, I mean, there's still all these stereotypes about being a female athlete. And so, yeah, it's great to see representation in a public place. Totally. You talk a lot about community and how important that is to you. Like one of the things that you wrote to me before we got on here was that what's really important to you is how best to serve and involve your staff and your community in in what you're doing. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And I'm really interested to hear about how is the sports bra functioning differently from maybe other bars and restaurants in terms of the staff? I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, like, you know, as I said before, I realized um, almost immediately that the sports bra had an impact on the community in ways far greater than I ever could have imagined. I don't know if anyone opens a bar or restaurant to make money. I think they do it for passion. So from the get-go, that wasn't really, you know, being profitable wasn't really at the forefront of my mind, but using it as a platform to highlight and support women's sports was kind of the, the goal. And then when I realized that so many other things were kind of interweaving with sports and particularly girls and women's sports, it was just such a great opportunity to give back. People were so excited. People from all like different nonprofits, different organizations. Like I thought like, you know, little leagues, sure. Or like sports companies, sports teams, sports organizations, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Like no biggie. But we worked with, you know, Basic Rights Oregon. 
We've worked with an expungement group um, last year. We've worked with the Cascade AIDS Project. So just like there is just a venue to do outreach. And so the more I feel like we can loop our community in. And also I think with the millennials specifically, people care a lot more about where they spend their money, how they spend their money. It's not just about like the cheapest or, you know, the place that's closest to them. It's about spending money in ways that are impactful. And so I think that a lot of our clientele are folks that feel like they're contributing to a greater cause. And so working with the community in every way that we can to try to make a positive impact is, is definitely one of the forefront like motivations um, in how we like set up our week or like the events that we want to host and those kinds of things. We try to be particular about that. And then when it comes to the staffing, so there's been like, I think it's very well documented now that for the past several years, food and beverage industries have been struggling to keep staff. And we fortunately have not had that problem. And I think a lot of it is the fact that people like, people want to be a part of something, you know, they don't just want a job, they want to feel appreciated, they want to feel like part of a family. And with the sports bra, like, that's what I hope for. And, you know, obviously, we're trying to run a business and we're trying to, you know, make ends meet and give our guests the best customer service and all of those things. But it's also really important to me that uh, having come from the food and beverage industries and having suffered a lot from kind of what has stereotypically been a relatively abusive <laughs> industry, I want to like kind of combat that. And so we, we've had a really good record of retaining staff because I feel like people uh, feel like they're a part of something really special here. And we actually have people reach out, even when we're not hiring, reach out and ask if we're hiring. And then they say, you know, as soon as a spot opens up, you know, email me and I'll quit my job, basically. <laughs> Which is, again, such a privilege to have that with the way that the world is right now as far as like hiring and staffing go. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just, yeah, just very, very blessed in a lot of ways. That's great. Uh, you didn't mention the Girls Build, which I think is absolutely fantastic that you're supporting that group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny. When I got the lease for the building, it came with a bunch of furniture already. So when I came in, I kind of like moved the furniture around and saw where everything was going to be. And there were these two like large open spots in the front. And I was like, oh, I'd love to have like team tables, like larger tables where like a team can come in and sit together. So maybe I need to buy some ta like big tables. And then the patio furniture was all like plastic, cheap plastic patio furniture. And I was like, oh, you know, I'd love to get like picnic tables out here. And I was just like, okay, so I, I got to spend like all this money to buy some furniture and get this place the way I want it. And then I started to think about it. And a good friend of ours, she uh, founded Girls Build um, like eight years ago. And I was just like, oh man, I wonder if, you know, I wonder if they'd be into building some furniture for us. And so I reached out, we had a meeting like the next day and it was like an instant yes from them which I was absolutely, you know, we were all absolutely thrilled. And the coolest thing I think about, well, there's several cool things about it, but one of the coolest things is uh, they've done builds for other places, but they were like private. So like a church or a school and they'll like have a big, you know, showing on the day that they open it or whatever. And then the kids never see it again. And then this, these pieces are the first time that it's been in a public space where the girls can come in with their families, sit at the table and be like, I built this, you know, and it's just very accessible for them. How old are the kids, the girls? Uh, they're anywhere between seven and 13, I think is the oh, age that's range. That's amazing. Yeah. It, it was awesome. It was awesome. And then, you know, uh, Katie, the CEO would send me like pictures of the girls like building it and like, you know, sanding and using like a circular saw, like all of the things, you know what I mean? I, I will never forget there was a day that um, two of the girls that helped build the indoor tables were sitting at one of the indoor tables that they built with their families. And I was talking to them. We wanted to take some pictures and stuff. And 
I was like, hey, what was your favorite part of making this table? And this girl who looked like, I'm really bad at kids and ages. She looked like three, but she must've been seven or eight. <laughs> she was tiny. And she goes, my favorite part was the epoxy. Oh, wow. And she talked about, yeah. And she talked about knocking the, the knots, the holes out of the wood and then filling it with epoxy. Wow. And just like the idea that these young kids are like having the experience of, and you know, again, here we are where women in sports are underrepresented underfunded and all of those things and girls and women in trades like electricians, plumbing, uh, carpentry, woodwork, all of those things are also underfunded, underrepresented, all of that stuff. And so here we are like kind of at this intersection, which there's a million intersections I'm finding. Just like you said, like the web is so large um, of kind of developing the idea that there's equity in these spaces for girls and women. And so, yeah, that was just like one of the highlights of like having those tables is having the girls and their families and their friends come and just talk about making them. And it's just seeing them glowing with pride. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like Girls Build just because it shows that, that, it, that it's possible. And, you know, like you suddenly don't end up in high school not ever having touched a saw. Totally. 100%. 100%. And like their camps and everything like sell out all the time. And they're, you know, they take their mission nationwide. Now they came out with a book. So there's, there's movement around it. And it's just so wonderful to see that kind of stuff and being able to kind of highlight and promote them. And I talked to Katie and she was just like, ever since we had those tables and like, I had them brand the tables and like make sure that their name is all over them. So people can like look them up that they've seen a dramatic spike in like donations and things like that, which is exactly what we want. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, let's talk about the sports that you're actually showing and just introduce us to what you're showing and sort of some of the things that you've learned about like what you can and cannot show. The story is fascinating. (laughs) Well, uh, the statistic is four to five percent of all sports that are shown on inline TV, inline being a broadcast and or cable satellite is women's sports. And so, like I said, you know, 40% of all athletes are women. They're out there playing, but only four to 5% are being shown. Our goal here is to highlight that four to 5%. So we're showing what's on TV, what's on broadcast, cable, satellite. And then in order to kind of fill the space from the beginning, I was reaching out to different uh, networks, streaming services, organizations, leagues, individual teams, even like, I feel like it's someone else's full-time job that I was doing at the beginning to find and access um, more sports. And for the most part, everybody has been on board. Like they understand that getting more eyes on their sport or on their network or on their streaming service in this venue is a win-win, but it is like cutting through brush, you know, cutting through a jungle with a machete being the first to do it. And then also to talk about like how we can better communicate with our guests and their expectations. You know, I try to tell people that for so long, people walk into a sports bar and they expect 24 seven coverage because that's what they've been getting with men's sports. And that's just not possible right now with women's sports. And so letting folks know that, you know, sometimes we'll shut the TV off if there's nothing on. You know, for us, it's important to highlight what is on and also to represent what's not on or what's missing so that there's some change or it kind of draws people to demanding change, right? We don't want to play 24-7 like replays because then people who come in think that, oh, you know, women's sports is always on TV. There's always something to watch um, when really that is not the reality. Right. Another thing I found out uh, with just a little bit of digging is that something like 95% of all streaming services are for personal use only, so not for use in a commercial or business setting. Have you been able to get around that at all? I have. Basically, going to those streaming services and asking permission, like Mm. just dry email, just an email to the company. And a lot of them have been so generous. Like they'll give us a subscription. Like ATA Football was a huge one. They're an international football streaming service that plays games from all across the globe. And, you know, they're 
readily available on Roku, which is uh, what we use here for streaming. And they were just like, here's a year. We love what you're doing. We're, we're fully behind you. In fact, uh, one of their last games, it was a big game in England. They reached out and they were like, hey, we, we want to have a watch party at the sports bra and we want to announce the sports bra on live TV. Wow. And so, yeah, on international TV, they talked about the sports bra a couple times. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And I was just like, this is wild to me. Uh, but yeah, some great partnerships in that way. Just Women's Sports was one of the very first organizations I reached out to. They're relatively new. I think they're about five, six years old now. And they're a social media platform or like a network that does only women's sports. And they have hundreds and hundreds of hours of interviews, one-on-ones, like documentary style stuff through YouTube. So I reached out to them and, you know, I was on a call with like four of their founders pretty much. And I was so nervous. And they were like, okay, what do you need? And I was just like, I would love to have access to your digital media on YouTube. Like all I need is your permission to play it. And that's enough. And they were like, okay, great. What else? And that was the conversation. <laughs> I was just like, I could have cried. I could have cried right yeah. then. Like yeah. it took no amount of just like any, anything. They were like, okay, what else can we do for you? And they've, they've just been outstanding. Yeah. So, so here and there we piecemeal a bunch of things. Athletes Unlimited is another one that is on YouTube and they're great. They are launching professional teams. They have professional softball, volleyball, basketball, and they've, they've reached out and they're just like, we want you to play all of our things on YouTube, like reruns. These are when the live games are showing and, you know, they'll send me schedules and that's the kind of stuff that, you know, we're piecemealing together to make sure that we're showing as much as we can legally. So I'm a fan of, you know, sort of smaller sports like cycling and cross-country skiing and things like that. And that's all available only on streaming. Mm -hmm. Like, is that a possibility ever? Absolutely. The Tour de France, the the Femmes something or rather, I can't, I don't know. Tour de France, French. Femme, avec Swift. Yeah, <laughs> exact. That, that one. So yeah. it was the first time in 30 years, right? Yeah. So that was on Peacock, which has given us permission to stream their stuff too. Oh, that's great. Um, that's great. Yeah, we worked with NBC Sports over the summer. And so they were just like, yeah, we love what you're doing. Here you go. <laughs> so, um, so even like some large, I mean, Peacock, NBC Sports, those are big names. And all they needed to do was give us permission. And that's what they did. And so we were able to stream that stuff in. And things like cross-country skiing, we, we, are, we aren't able to get them live but we're able to get the replays of a lot of that stuff through Peacock. So again, it's, it's very piecemeal, but we can do it. And, and sometimes it's people just DMing me on Instagram being like, Hey, have you ever thought about showing disc golf? Uh, I know this guy who has a team and he can give you permission and that's good enough for us. You know, we had CrossFit, CrossFit International and CrossFit USA reached out to us and was just like, uh, we're streaming this on YouTube. We're giving you permission to play it. And then we threw like a CrossFit party and a bunch of people who are in town that are huge CrossFit fans came to watch it. And it was like a big deal. Um, same with women's boxing. If we can get individuals or content creators who made that and put it on YouTube, if we can get their permission, we can play it. So, How are you keeping up with everything that's going on? All the <laughs> sports? Uh, I have about... 45% more gray hairs than I did prior <laughs> to opening the sports bra. So there's that. It's a lot. It's a lot. But, you know, people and resources have, I mean, that's where it's at. Nobody does this alone. You know, like I went into it thinking, okay, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And then you quickly realize that it's not possible, that you need the community backing. You need friends and family, strangers, anyone you can wrangle up and people want to be a part of making this great. And so asking for help and getting the tools and uh, utilizing people's talents and skill sets to make this all work. And so it really is a community effort behind the sports bra. And when I say that, I mean, there's a, a woman who's local here who does her Instagram. All she focuses on is soccer. 100% soccer. And I go, I use her Instagram to find games because she she scours the internet for all the games. And she says exactly what streaming service it is, what time, day, what league, tournament, 
all of the things. Um, and I don't know anything about soccer. So it was a, like a great uh, resource for me. And so that's somebody local even that I can, you know, I have her phone number. I can call her and ask her, hey, do you know if the World Cup is streaming on so-and-so channel this year or whatever it is? And she's going to know. And so it's these resources that, you know, once I find them, I lock into them and they really help make my job a lot easier. Was it hard for you to ask for help? Uh, you know, I think, yes, I think it is hard for anybody to ask for help, but particularly women, because I think that there is this idea that we don't want to seem weak in any way. But what I'm finding is that, again, nobody does this alone. And if you try, you're going to fail. And when I started to really think about opening the sports bra, I knew my life would change. You know, again, I was unemployed for over five years. So I was staying in my pajamas all day, very <laughs> unmotivated to do anything. And so I knew right away that my life would change and that it was going to take everything that I had to make it just to, to give it a go. And what I found is that when I think about the sports bra as an entity, like, I think it's true for a lot of people, but for me, speaking personally, I find that it's a lot easier to take care of somebody else than it is to take care of myself. So, like, I'm willing to, like, bend over backwards for, like, a friend or, like, fight the good fight for them. But if it was, like, me, like, it's like, uh, I can handle it or I can, you know, I don't need that. And so when I started to think of the sports bra as its own entity, I I wanted to give the sports bra the best shot at survival as I could. And I would do whatever it took to make sure that that happened. And so if it was asking for help, if it was swallowing my pride, if it was like putting the ego aside, I would do it because it was for the sports bra, not for me. And so that's kind of how... I like bent my mind to think about it and and really like reach out and ask for all the help that I needed because it really required hundreds of people to make this happen. Like I didn't know anything. Like I knew zero amounts. I would say 0. 0.05. I knew about 0. <laughs> 0.05 of what it took to open a business like this. Um, and everything else I learned and had help with. So what is life like for you right now? Uh, you know, it's actually turns out that I, I must be a, like a fast learner because I'm feeling really good about where we are. I'm feeling like, you know, the staff has been absolutely magical to work with. Everybody is so, so wonderful and they work so hard. They're devoted. You know, they really believe in what we're doing here. And that makes all the difference, I feel like. And so the folks here work really hard. And so that makes my job a lot easier. Uh, they want to take on more. They want more responsibility. They care about the mission. They care about the people who walk through the doors. And that's things that you can't teach. You know what I mean? And so because of that, I am free to do things like uh, reach out to organizations, try to find ways to broaden our clientele, uh, spread the mission, think about expansion plans, and, you know, also there's been several people reaching out from all over wanting to do something similar to the sports bra. And so being able to like talk to people about my challenges and uh, whatever I can do to help them bring their dreams to fruition, uh, because ultimately the more eyes we have on women's sports, the better for everybody and for everything. Absolutely. And so it doesn't, it doesn't have to be the sports bra. It could be somebody else's place. And I'm all for supporting and helping empower them to be successful because their success is my success and everyone's success. So yeah, so the ability to do all of those things now is a dream come true. So life life is good. I mean, it's still stressful, obviously. And you think about like, oh, you know, Sunday was a really slow day. We actually like lost money or whatever it is. And, you know, figuring out how to balance food costs and like all the business stuff. But ultimately where I am right now feels like a dream come true. Have you been able to stay physically active and continue playing basketball? <laughs> that's a great question. No, that's <laughs> definitely on my New Year's 
like my New Year's, I don't like to say resolution, but my New Year's plan is to get back into, yeah, I have not touched a basketball in nine months, basically. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, the fitness needs to come back because I think that's really important and good for my mental health and everything else. Definitely that is on the forefront of my plans as, as things smooth out here. Um, I'm really excited to come around on the year on our year anniversary. Uh, and I feel like, okay, we've done most things once. Let's, you know, tighten it up and see how we can grow and get better and be as impactful as we can uh, with the position that we're in. Yeah, I mean, in your bio, you wrote that basketball, you know, shaped your whole identity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it really did until, you know, and then I blew out my knee when I was 19. Um, and it was like a I went through such a, like, a phase of, it was like depression and just trying to figure out who I was if I wasn't a basketball player. And now, like, I feel like there's so much more now. I feel very fulfilled in so many ways. But I do think that in order to continue to give my best, it would require me to stay physically active and putting, like, you know, my mental and physical health at the forefront again after a year or like nine months of going hard at this thing that has been really taxing. Yeah, I think it would be beneficial for everybody, including myself. Well, before we sign off, do you want to leave us with sort of what your goals are for 2023 other than starting to play basketball again? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I feel like 2022 was such a huge growing year for me and the business that I feel like there's just so many things that we're still growing into. And so I would say just continuing that growth into 2023, like, I don't, I don't even want to ask for any more than that. Like, it would feel greedy to ask for more than that. <laughs> I just, I just feel like we've been blessed. And so just continuing down whatever path is is set for us. I'm happy with that. You must like sort of that, you know, that learning mode, sort of, you know, trying to build something, create something, improving. That's very athlete mindset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really feels like, you know, for a lot of my life, I've been playing basketball as a player. And now I feel like a coach more. Mm. Um, and that has been really a different, a change in mindset for me. And it's been really nice. And it's kind of amazing, you know, what we're capable of. Cause if you asked me if I was capable of doing exactly this before I opened the sports bra, I would be like, absolutely not, <laughs> you know, but yeah, our, our minds and our spirits are so dynamic and the ability to stretch and grow is just so great. And I think that uh, I've learned that about myself and it's been really empowering. Cool. Well, thank you so much. This has been terrific. I really appreciate it. Yeah, your time. thank you. Of course. Thank you so much. And that is the show for this week. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Jenny for choosing to be a guest on Hear Her Sports. And of course, for opening the sports bra in the first place. It was super cool to meet her and I wish her ongoing success. If you're not already a supporter of Hear Her Sports and would like to give back, go to patreon.com slash hearher or to the easy to use buymeacoffee.com slash hearher. I just love knowing that supporters appreciate what Hear Her Sports is doing. Remember to visit the show notes at hearhersports.com for links to all the things this week's guest, Jenny Wynn, mentioned in the episode. As always, I absolutely love getting notes, messages, and thoughts from listeners. Send me an email to elizabeth at hearhersports.com or find us on all the socials at hearhersports. If you're taking a break from social media, sign up to get our newsletter at hearhersports.com. It comes out every other week, and it's a great way to stay on top of what episodes are coming out and include some thoughts about the guests and how it connects to ongoing bigger issues in women's sports. Until next time, bye-bye. Women's running, running. 
should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. 